Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 12 of Revelation chapter 17. And we're going to be reading verse 14 to verse 16. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest where the whore sitteth are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. And I'll stop reading there. Now God here is describing um, Judgment Day as a time when the beast and the ten horns make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb, who is Christ, shall overcome them. And that's a, a different statement than the Great Tribulation, because at the time of the Great Tribulation, God says that the beast makes war with the saints, and to overcome them. And in Revelation 11, in verse 7, And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them, the two witnesses, and shall overcome them and kill them. So there is a clear difference between um, what happens during the time of the Great Tribulation and what takes place in the Day of Judgment. During the Great Tribulation, God is loose Satan. God is using Satan as an instrument of destruction to destroy the corporate church, the churches and congregations of the world. Therefore, Satan, the beast, is the overcomer. He is the victorious one during that short little season of Great Tribulation, the 23-year period that ended on May 21, 2011. But then begins Judgment Day, God's time of recompense, where he turns to Satan and brings vengeance upon him, upon Babylon, for his temple, and and that's the day we're living in. And this is a time of the battle of Armageddon, the battle of judgment, the final battle between these two kingdoms, and the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ is victorious, and Christ the Lamb overcomes. And we discussed this. He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He now rules over all the kingdoms of the earth, because that's what Satan had been ruling over through the right of conquest as he uh, uh, deceived Eve and Adam in the Garden of Eden. Well then, it says at the end of verse 14, And they that are with him, that is the Lamb, Christ, are called and chosen and faithful. And uh, this reminds us of so many other verses in the Bible 
that says Christ comes with ten thousands of his saints. The completeness of the saints, and the saints are those that are clothed with purifying white linen. As Revelation 19.8 says, it's the righteousness of the saints. Those that are made righteous through the righteousness of one Jesus Christ. And God says, know ye not that the saints shall judge the world. And these saints that judge the world are God's elect, who are the called and chosen and faithful. As we read in Matthew chapter 20, Matthew 20 and verse 16, it says, So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. And the chosen are the elect. The elect those few are also called. They're, they're a part of the many that are called, but of that larger number, there are only few that God truly has saved that were predestinated um, to salvation, whose sins were paid for in Christ when he died for them at the point of the world's foundation. Now in First Peter chapter 1... It says in verse 2, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. So the the epistle is being uh, written to the elect, or it is uh, referring to the elect people of God. Now concerning... Um, the faithful. We're fairly familiar with references to called and chosen. But it also says they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. And we, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ is faithful. He's faithful and true. He is faith himself. It, it is through the saving faith of Christ that we are saved, as Galatians 2.16 tells us. But just as Jesus is faithfulness, the people of God are faithful, and we're, we're made faithful through the Spirit that God gives us and through the salvation He has granted us. In Galatians chapter 3, it says, beginning in verse 6, even as Abraham believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. We are the faithful um, of God, the people that he has saved and given his spirit. And the Holy Spirit produces fruit within the child of God. And one of the fruits of the spirit is faith. It says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints, which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, there are 
synonyms, saints and faithful. It's to those that God has saved, and and they are true men. They are men in whom is no guile. They have been um, purified and made holy, and they're saints, and they've been given a heart that is a faithful heart. As God said of David, he is a man after mine own heart, because David was given a new heart and a new spirit. And that heart was patterned after the heart of Christ, and Christ is faithful. So David was a faithful man, and Daniel was a faithful man, and Noah was a faithful man, and Abraham was a faithful man. Actually, when we look at the saints of God, as God tells us about them in the Bible, we find that one uh, outstanding characteristic that shines through is their faithfulness. Remember, good King Josiah, but he he endeavored to do the will of God and to rid uh, Judah of its idols, and he faithfully went about that work. And uh, uh, no matter who it is, when we look at a child of God, we see faithfulness. Look at Moses, or look at Joshua, or look at Peter, or look at any true child of God. Look at the Apostle John that God is using to give these this divine revelation in the book of Revelation to. All these men are faithful. All of God's people that are truly God's people are given a new heart, and in that heart they have an ongoing desire to do the will of God. And and so they want to do God's will. And that means they want to obey the commandments of God. And and so you'll find men and women that are uh, highly interested in keeping the commandments, whatever those commandments might be. If it concerns uh, marriage and, and, and the faithful thing to do is to maintain a marriage relationship and not to divorce, God's people want to do that. If it concerns um, the the role of women speaking or teaching the Bible and and the the true faithful woman uh, who Sarah or Esther or others would typify as we read of faithful women in the Bible, then the true faithful woman desires to do it God's way, and when men are present, she dare not teach. Oh no, not because of men, not because she doesn't know the Bible or or doesn't uh, know truth, but out of that desire to be faithful to what the Bible says. God's people are called, chosen, and faithful and that characteristic shines through and and uh, especially shine through during the great tribulation period when god knowing this of course because he's the one who implants the faithful attribute into his people through the new spirit that he has given them and so god knows that if he opens up the scripture and he reveals things that have previously been sealed and hidden and things that are that are very 
just major life-changing doctrines such as the end of the church age. God knows that at the proper time, when he does take the seals off of his word, the Bible, and he reveals that information to his people, he knows how his people will respond. It goes along with the scripture that tells us in the Gospel of John that his sheep hear his voice and they follow his voice. That is the characteristic of faithfulness that God has granted his people. And so the people of God heard the voice of Christ through the word of God, the Bible, and as God revealed the end of the church age, the loosing of Satan, Satan having his seat in the temple, and the command to come out, and the true children of God faithfully obeyed and followed the voice of Christ and left the congregations. And 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 we could, of course, go down doctrine after doctrine that the Bible presents, and we would see it comes back to that ongoing desire to do the will of God, that intense desire to be obedient to whatever God says in his word that drives the faithfulness of the people of God. God says during the day of salvation, get this message out, and especially when he uh, revealed the day of judgment. And, and along with that, he showed us that a faithful watchman would see the sword coming and blow the trumpet to warn the people. Well, since the characteristic of every true child of God is faithfulness, God's people saw the sword of the approaching day of judgment, the wrath of God coming upon the world, and faithfully went forth. And they gave of their time, they gave of their resources, and and they blew the trumpet. They warned people of what was coming out of love and out of faithfulness to the word of God. And, well, now again, where are we? We're, we're in a time that the Bible says, thou must prophesy again, where God says, publish these things and uh, pour out the vials of the seven last plagues. He tells his messengers who are reapers to go forth as he puts in the sickle to reap the, the final harvest of ingathering of the precious fruit of the earth and also to... Um, to gather the unsaved for the fire. And, and again and again, God is letting it be known what is his will, what the scripture is saying concerning this time period of going forth one more time with the truth of the faithful teachings of the word of God. And what can we expect? We expect God's people to be faithful in responding to this. And, and well, that's what we're seeing more and more. People are um, they're coming around. The, the, the confusion that we were in for a time is lifting. The uh, slothful period we were in 
due to a lack of fully understanding what the word of God was saying is going away and God's people are getting active once again, using their time, using their resources. Some are going on trips. We've had um, track trips to Quito, Ecuador and San Juan, Puerto Rico and God's people are turning out and and they're going forth with the tracks and more and more people locally are requesting tracks and they also are beginning to distribute them and this is what we can expect will happen once the the word of god becomes clear once god's will is revealed then his people desire to do his will Okay, let's go back to Revelation 17, and it says in verse 15, And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sowest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And just to remind us, the whore is a reference to Babylon. If you read the earlier verses, um, God uh, uh, makes sure that that is known, especially in verse 5. Uh, He is speaking of the harlot, the whore, and he says, Upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And Babylon typifies the entire kingdom of Satan, which would be all of the unsaved people of the world. And here in verse 15, God is just emphasizing that Babylon, as it says, the whore sitteth, and to sit means to rule. And remember, uh, in the book of Isaiah, in chapter 47, God says Babylon is a lady of nations, or a mistress of nations. And the word mistress is the word that is used of Sarai when she was mistress over Hagar. That, that is, she was lord or ruler over Hagar. So a mistress is one that rules, a lady of nations that Babylon is, rules over the people. And so Babylon represents that kingdom of Satan that rules over all unsaved individuals. And what God says here in verse 15 confirms that understanding because it says um, the waters where thou sawest, where the whore sitteth. So she rules over the waters. Now God's going to explain that the waters are people, peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And um, there's four groups mentioned, peoples, multitudes, nations, tongues. And the number four points to universality. The, the four points of the compass, north, south, east, west. It's pointing to all the unsaved people on the face of the whole earth. They are under the rule of Babylon. Uh, just, just to tie in, um, waters or to explain why God speaks of waters as representing people. Let's go to Isaiah 57. And we'll read verses 20 and 21, the last two verses of the chapter, where it says, But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters 
cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. So here God is likening the wicked, or every unsaved person, to to troubled waters, or a troubled sea. And uh, that's exactly who Babylon rules over, the unsaved people of the earth. So Babylon, the harlot, sits upon the waters. And it's the unsaved people in America, and the unsaved people in China, and the unsaved people in Europe, and the unsaved people um, in Africa, and wherever they're found in this world, they are Babylon. Satan ruled over the kingdoms of the earth, and and all those kingdoms were his until Christ took the kingdom at the beginning of Judgment Day on May 21, 2011. Well, it goes on to say in verse 16, And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. And we wonder, now why uh, is, is God telling us that the ten horns that represent Satan's rule during the one hour of great tribulation, when he is uh, lifted up to the, the highest level of rule that he's ever enjoyed in this world, why does Satan, typified by these ten horns, which are upon the beast, why does he hate the whore? And we we wonder about that. The whore are the subjects of his kingdom. It is Babylon, the kingdom he rules over, and and Babylon consists of all the unsafe people of the world. Doesn't Satan have any regard for those that he rules over? Well, you know, just think of some of the evil rulers of um, mankind that have ruled over nations. And we can think of Hitler, or we can think of... Um, Stalin or, or certain men that have killed millions and millions of people and we can see how they did hate the subjects that they ruled over. But with Satan, God has, um, something, um, particular in mind when he says that Satan hates the unsafe people of the earth. And for one, uh, let's look at Leviticus 26 and here God is mainly addressing the fallen church in Leviticus 26, verse 17, to the unfaithful church. And notice that word unfaithful that we use to describe the apostate church or the the corporate church. And why do we call them unfaithful? Because God has made known his word. He's revealed the scriptures. And so God says a woman is not to teach. Well, you you go into many churches today, you see a woman in the pulpit. God says that uh, men are not to be divorced and, and to be a pastor. You go into many other churches and there are divorced men preaching or divorced elders and, and they do not um, meet the qualifications of elders or deacons. Or you go into other churches and, and God lays down how he saves in the Bible, where he gets all the glory 
because he has done all the work in a manner of salvation. And the church is encouraging the congregation to to walk down an aisle and to make a decision for Christ and to accept Jesus unfaithful in doctrine after doctrine after doctrine. God says his word, the Bible, is complete. And when he he finished it in the book of Revelation, in the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, he, he warned against adding to it, lest the plagues written therein be added unto you. And then you go to churches and they say they had a dream or a vision or God spoke through a tongue and and they're breaking the commandment of God that says he would not do that. Unfaithful. That This is the character of false churches. The character of Satan is unfaithfulness. We We could look at it that Christ is truth and Satan is the liar. But also we can look at it, Christ is faithful to his word. Satan will be unfaithful. The people of God, the true people of God, are faithful to Christ and his word. The professed people of God, but not the true people of God, are unfaithful to Christ and his word. Well, um, let me just read this verse, and we'll have to maybe uh, come back to this idea of Satan hating those he rules over. In Leviticus 26.17 it says, And I will set my face against you, and ye shall be slain before your enemies. They that hate you shall reign over you, and shall flee when none pursueth you. God said this to Israel, which in turn is a statement that uh, has application to the churches. And the judgment of God when he loose Satan at the beginning of the Great Tribulation, was to bring an evil ruler to rule over the church entire, the the whole professed, or all the corporate body, all the churches and congregations of the world, and that ruler hated them. He hated them. And we'll, we'll have to look in our next study at exactly how it is that Satan expresses that hatred. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.